This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Well, you're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. I'm Johnny Hart, and each week I'm joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham to preview the week ahead. How are you doing, Craig? I'm really good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Inevitably, all eyes will once again be on Brexit, of course, and yet another parliamentary vote, although it's most likely to be a general debate following the Prime Minister's statement because Theresa May almost certainly will not have a revised deal by then. There could be some amendments to the motion which could lead to what they call an indicative vote. Uh, We might have uh, options on an extension of the two-year Article 50 process, things like that. So... It's not meaningless, but is it meaningful? <laughs> no, I, I would argue probably not. Because, even, like you say, any amendments are probably not going to be binding. Or They're indeed prob- passed. Or, or, or passed at all. Yeah. I guess indicative, though, at this stage is still important. As we saw last time, Parliament voted on avoiding no deal effectively and it was passed. It was non-binding. But it sent the message that it will not be tolerated if that is what we are going to be facing. And the one of the amendments that failed previously, the Cooper Amendment, I think it was, relating to extending Article 50, that didn't pass on this occasion. But if it gets to the end of this month and we still don't have a deal, I'm pretty sure that would take that would get a lot more support. The problem is that we we don't really know what we're voting on at this stage. We don't really know what changes are going to be agreed between May's team and, and Juncker's team. And now they're talking about a meeting at the end of the month. That leaves us with one month until exit day. It strikes me that the best we can probably hope for now is an agreement that May can secure, that will pass through Parliament, that may still require an extension just to get all the legislation passed. It's worth highlighting, I don't know if you saw this, that as of now, freighters setting sail from UK ports with cargo for you know far-flung destinations such as Australia and New Zealand, which is a journey of about 50 days, risk arriving after Brexit day. And in the event of a no deal, there'll be no idea of the trade rules that will be in place. So at last we're seeing real evidence of practical problems emerging. You know, so much for project fear. This is project reality. It is. I guess we have to consider the fact that the reason why they're setting sail is because there's a belief that it will be worth their while and a deal will be agreed. I still think there is a general belief, even among businesses who are frustrated, the fact that they are having to make guesses effectively at this, and among MPs and among the public, that an agreement will get over the line because there is a general desire to do so. That's not amongst everyone, of course. There are still people in Parliament who want a second referendum, who want That to seems remain, to be dead in the water want... now, doesn't it? The second referendum. I'm not sure it's dead in the water because we have to remember that it seems that everyone in Parliament right now wants this to run up right up until midnight. Those who want a no deal probably now view the only opportunity to get no deal over the line is to run right up to the deadline and have us almost stumble into it, which I still don't think will happen. Those who want the maximum concessions from Brussels, the hardline Brexiteers who still want a deal, but they want something better than we're getting, will allow this to run up till midnight. Remainers and second Brexiteers need this to run as far as possible so that there's enough fear in the public to actually get the backing publicly to avoid no deal and therefore warrant a second referendum. It seems to be in everyone's interest just to let this run on and on. Do you think there's a possibility, thinking about what the EU are thinking, that 
they still think there's a chance of no Brexit or referendum. But if we did get to March 30th and there is no deal, it's over. We've left the EU and they actually have to start doing something practical. Yeah, I mean, it will get to just before then when we start to see the practical measures being implemented. I do think they've finally given up hope on us remaining. And I think that was really highlighted last week with Tusk's comments, the special place in hell, the complete defeated nature of him, the uh, What was interesting about that, Craig, was that it was scripted. It's the sort of thing <laughs> you'd expect someone to say off the cuff, but he wanted to create the mm-hmm. effect that happened straight after, didn't he? He was completely deflated. It was this. It was mm. almost this moment of weakness, and I know it was scripted. It felt like one of those text messages you send after a few drinks when it is scripted, you have thought it through, and you've hit send. It doesn't mean that it's not sent in a moment of weakness uh, and something that you maybe regret later down the road, something you really feel but you know you probably shouldn't say. That was the moment when he finally realised, do you know what, I've been hoping all along that we need to push this line anyway, but I've been hoping all along that at some point MPs in Parliament, the public, will realise the UK was misled and voted on something that wasn't possible and will change their minds. Now he suddenly realised that there's just no one in Parliament or there isn't enough support in Parliament to get to the point that the public has a chance to voice that. And now he's finally accepted defeat and I think it's now become clear that Remain from Europe's side is now off the table. Of course, the Bank of England has warned the economy is on course for its weakest year since the global financial crisis, evidence suggesting that uh, Brexit jitters are spreading from companies to consumers. So again, we're seeing the reality of this uh, impending Brexit in whatever form it is. Growth cut to 1.2%, also a 25% chance of a recession. Pretty shocking, isn't it? Yeah, and we can't just point the finger at Brexit. We've got to remember that a major factor in that is the global economic slowdown. The Bank of England announced this on the day that the European Commission announced a significant downward revision to its growth forecast for 2019, including countries like Germany, like Italy, who it expects not to grow at all. I think it was, they said, over the next seven years overall. And they do attribute part of that in the near term, to what was happening before Christmas with the debt battle that was happening between Rome and Brussels. So this is a global issue, and we are seeing a slowdown in China as well, but Brexit is clearly a factor. But interestingly, it is a factor that could actually give us an economic boost post-March 29th if a deal is agreed and businesses start to spend some of that backlogged investment, consumers start to spend some of that backlogged, backlogged earnings. That could actually give us an economic boost for the rest of the year, But again, that's heavily dependent on us securing a deal that provides the certainty that consumers, households and businesses need. It's getting fascinating. I know you and I have discussed this for a very, very long time, but we're finally getting almost... We we can almost see the beginning of the end of the beginning of the end. Yeah, I mean, this it really is playing out, as we say, we've said in recent weeks, the process of progress by elimination. And I feel like Theresa May has now given the ERG the rope almost with which to hang themselves. So she said, you know what, you've said that there's this alternative solution to the backstop. How about we create this working committee so you can produce that. I can take that to Brussels and Brussels can tell me that that's not workable. It can work alongside the backstop, but it can't work to replace the backstop. Well, in doing that, you remove the biggest complaint from a number of the members of the ERG and those supporting them and those opposing Theresa May on her own side 
because you're saying, here's the alternative solution I was offered. We've learned that it can work alongside it. We've learned that it can't replace it. So now you can either get behind my deal or there's a greater chance that no Brexit actually happens. But I, I wasn't going to carry on with this, but I've got to ask you the question. What happened to, uh, if it's just about the Northern Ireland backstop, what about all the people who said it was an absolutely terrible deal? Because there are plenty of other elements and aspects in this deal which you'd have thought would be open to criticism, which have nothing to do with Northern Ireland. Uh, I mean, have you ever heard of politics? <laughs> well, <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is how politics plays out. I think people but is have it a the... terrible deal or not? I don't think it is a terrible deal. What, what, everyone has their own point of view. Everyone of, has their own ideology on how this should play out, and this is everyone around Theresa May. We can't just segment it. We can't just say these people or these people or these people. Everyone had their own ideology of how this was going to play out, and everyone knows that in a negotiation, the more you pull, the more you pull, the more you pull, the more the deal will represent what you want eventually so there's no there was no incentive for any of these people to ease up the pressure on Theresa May to get what they want because they may know that they can't deliver that but they know that the eventual deal will resemble more that now than it did before and they all had their own agenda some of them were remainers who wanted to remain some of them wanted a soft brexit some of them wanted no deal at all some wanted a hard brexit and they wanted an election yes so they're all exactly so they're all saying it's a terrible deal because they're not interested in that deal. They're only interested in their own agenda. Correct? Exactly, and now Jeremy Corbyn has softened his stance as well. It's gone from yeah. the six tests to five bullet points. Effectively, the main one that's been removed has been that the deal must be at least as good uh, as what we have as members of the single market and the customs union. This is part of politics being played. Yeah. He wanted Everyone wanted to drag Theresa May their way. Now we're going to see what people actually think of the deal and what we're seeing slowly but surely is people are saying, do you know what? This, was the, this is the only thing I actually really care about. If you can change this, and we'll get this over the line. And it will get over the line. I'm convinced it will get over uh, the line. I may be wrong, but I'm really and you, convinced. Yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party. I think it's very much in their interests now, which is poss possibly contrary to what we were thinking a few months ago, that there is a deal. Because particularly if it looks like they're part of the process of getting that deal with Corbyn you know, talking about these, uh, these, these, uh, these tests uh, and also possibly voting with the government or at least abstaining who knows because nobody even if there was an election at some point in the next couple of years nobody wants to inherit a no deal brexit do they i still i still think there's politics to be played so i don't think sure. i don't think we're past that part yet sure but i do think um i do think the labor party is going to become less united over the course of the next month or two. And we are going to see the part of the factions who are going to say, do you know what, I stood behind you and I stood behind the Labour Party and we remained united because the prospect of a new election was on the table. Well, we're getting closer and closer to exit day right now. The prospect of a new election is fading more and more by the day now. I need to make sure that no deal Brexit doesn't happen. And that's one thing that most people in the House of Commons can agree on. Right. Let's move away from Brexit. And Thank you. <laughs> St let's talk about Steve Mnuchin, who is off to uh, China. Would you say this is probably the most important meeting of the week for the global economy? Forget about Brexit. It's all about Mnuchin in China. Yeah, I mean, we've got to remember that people outside the UK don't really care about as much don't care as much about Brexit as we do. Um, it's not going to impact them as much. And for them, it's it, this is something that will just get resolved uh, and it, 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 it will be our problem. And, and I completely understand that. I think we would view it in much the same I'm, way if it was I'm someone I'm delighted else. you're so optimistic that it's going to get resolved, even on I, their I, I, behalf. I, I really am. I, I, yeah. I genuinely am. I just Sorry, think, gone back to Brexit. I think I common that. sense will prevail. China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is... 
This is the more important story. This is the one that will have the greater impact on the global economy. This is one of the things which has contributed to the economic slowdown is the trade war between the two countries. And it seems week by week, the the rhetoric seems to change from positive to negative to positive to negative. A couple of weeks ago, we were hearing about cancelled meetings. We were hearing about talks being uh, a deal being miles and miles away then last week it felt like the rhetoric was far more positive that the negotiations went very well and there was uh, that things were progressing nicely this week it seems to have taken another bad turn we've gone from the prospect of a meeting with trump and g at the end of the month being on the table probably to sign something off in order to delay or extend the 90 days or at least prevent further tariffs and now it seems that we're talking again about no meeting at the end of the month, not until the end of the 90-day period is finished, which has again opened the door to more tariffs. So the markets have really come off at the end of back end of this week on these reports because this is a major, major factor. This is a really important. We've The tariffs we've imposed so far are probably going to hurt China more than the US, even though both are going to suffer. We're hearing more reports now about certain pockets of the US economy which are suffering as a result already. The next round of tariffs are going to hurt both sides. And there's a reason why a lot of the consumer-related um, goods have been protected so far. Well, if they start to get they start to get included, then you will really start to see the impact. How optimistic or pessimistic are markets about this? still optimistic i think we they, i think there's still again there's still a belief that this uh cutting off your nose to spite your face thing is a threat rather than it sounds is sounds familiar exactly Back to brexit <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's all a negotiation yeah. again it's all a negotiation at the end of the day trump still has an election in 2020 does it really benefit him to have more tariffs more uncertainty more market negativity dow SMP in the 12 months run up to the election in bear market territory, the economy slowing from high levels of growth that he was bragging about in 2018 mm. to low levels of growth, recessions popping up around the world, threatening the outlook for the US as well. Does this really benefit the Trump regime? Yes, China will be worse off, but does it benefit Trump and his regime? I don't think it does. Think so right. for that reason, it just makes sense for a deal. And I think common sense prevails. It's funny when you said about 2020, I suddenly realised we might not have a President Trump by the end of next year. And, <laughs> and the economy, I mean, the, the famous line, it's the economy stupid, that will really play out more than ever before. Because putting aside all his political uh, issues and, uh, of course, the Russia situation as well, if the economy was still in fine fettle, uh, middle to end of next year you can quite imagine him getting in for a second term if it's not the game's over yeah there's there's no point in writing him off at any point he may be um hated in certain aspects of the media there may be the he may completely polarize people but it, the to this idea that the the idea of writing him off when the economy is doing well and the markets are doing well yeah. seems a bit ludicrous because so many people wrote him off prior to the past election and now he would go into the next election with an actual uh, a record of, of doing well. And he'd have plenty of things from a foreign policy perspective to, um, to, to claim a success on. And he'd still claim to have more to achieve. But it's cyclical, isn't it, really? And the Chinese might be aware of this in their negotiations. They'll, they'll realise that Trump needs a, a deal uh, for all his uh, blunder. 
They need one too, though. Yeah, true. So. Um, I want to ask you about the uh, the UK and US data to come out. Uh, what should we look ahead to most of all? Yeah, I mean, the, there's US, UK retail sales. There's inflation data as well. So I think this isn't the most important. It's weird. A few years ago, like these were the, the, real, the key data points you look at. Retail sales in particular because... This is the the sign, the strength of the consumer. This is how you know how well the, a consumer-driven economy is functioning. It's probably less important now than it has been. But when we're entering a period where people are fearing an economic slowdown, where central banks are revising down forecasts, where the Fed's becoming more dovish and holding off on rate hikes. By the way, that 1.2% GDP uh, drop from the Bank of England in terms of uh, their expectations, does that mean interest rates 2019 gone? Probably, I, I'm I'm not 100% convinced yet because we've got to remember interest rates are still at 0.75%. The central bank raised interest rates not too long ago. They're clearly keen to do more. Unemployment is very low. Wage growth is above 3%. Inflation is around target. You can imagine that if we get a smooth exit and Theresa May's deal gets over the line and we don't see too much of an extension... Hmm. You can imagine that if in Q2, early Q3, we see that little bump in investment, we see that little bump in spending, we see a couple of pieces of good economic data that come the August or November meetings when we get, again, fresh economic projections, Could be. you can imagine yeah. that the Bank of England has a justification to raise interest rates one more time. Before you go, what about the latest earnings figures which of those will markets have their closest eyes on earnings season's actually been quite good so far in the u.s we've got all the big boys out the way or most of the big boys out the way so we've got the big tech stocks we've got the big banks and so far it seems that we're still on a decent course where i think i think we're slightly above average on earnings and a slightly below average on revenues or maybe the other way around actually i think earnings is where we're a bit lower the fourth quarter was not as strong as the third second and first but we're still in double digit growth territory because of those tax cuts i think the outlooks is what scared people a little bit the fact that people that these companies are worried about 2019 I think focus will shift a bit more to Europe now. So we've got more companies at this stage. So we've got some uh, some FTSE 100 companies reporting. In terms of what stands out, things like Coca-Cola, Royal Bank Scotland over here is uh, an earnings report that always really does grab attention. The fact that they are returning to profitability now, the fact that they are still partly public owned or majorly public owned. So these are the ones that always stand out. But I think Europe will become more into focus in the coming weeks. But really overall, we're still seeing attention drawn to the outlooks because... This is where we start to really get a grasp of how short-term this slowdown is. Craig Earlham, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.